0: and welcome to the Moonshine Jesus Show, brought to you, as always, by ProgressiveChristianity.org, a wonderful place to get all your progressive Christian resources. We hope you will follow them on social media and us, the Moonshine Jesus Show, on Facebook, and that you will subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Today, we will be talking about Star Trek Lower Decks Season 4, and as always, I've got to tell you, if you haven't seen it, we will spoil it for you. It is a zone that is filled with spoilers, but that's okay. We like to delve in deep, and the only way we can do that is to spoil it for you. I am joined as always by Mark Sandlin. How are you doing today, Mark? Doing great. I'm looking forward to this. I know that we're both Tar Trek fans, but I know
1: that you're are like mm-hmm. real you like you you make me look like I barely know what I'm doing. So I'm I can't wait for your insights today. This I this is such a trekky show that there's no way this isn't going to be fun.
0: It's a real delight for anyone who delights mm-hmm. in Star Trek, like <laughs> I know we both do. And I I really enjoy all the Easter eggs. That's half the fun of it. Yeah. So before we can delve into those Easter eggs, let's uh let's have some drinks together. What are you drinking Perhaps. today, Mark?
1: Well, I'm having a drink that the first time we meet one of our main characters, Mariner, in the very mm-hmm. first season, the very first episode, mm-hmm. that she is already drunk on. And one of our others says, you can't do that. It's against regulations. And she says, because (laughs) it's awesome. Uh, So I am having a Romulan whiskey, which is essentially uh, a whiskey sour with some blue carousel in it. And uh, I have, as I always do over doing a Trekkie show, I've got it in my Trek highball glass. So uh, I'm having a Romulan
0: whiskey. How about you? So I was also inspired by Mariner, which uh, isn't surprising because she is always the source of all the frivolity (laughs) in this show. And so I, in one of the episodes this season, they go to Ferenginar, the Ferengi home world, and Mm -hmm. she orders two shots of Cardassian tequila. And so I, I was inspired by tequila and I made a Oaxaca old fashioned with Tequila and um, mezcal, and I think Cardassian tequila—the best I could find online—is supposed to be red, so it's yeah. also got a little bit of red food coloring. Fantastic! It, it looks delicious. I'm sure it will be. Cheers to you, Mark. Cheers, man.
1: Mm. Yeah, that'll be good.
0: Pretty good. Okay, let's have another drink and see you after the drop. And Jesus. and G.
1: Welcome to our Geek Out section of the Moonshine Jesus Show, where we, we will geek out a little bit about the show. We promise we'll kind of keep it a, sh- a little bit shorter than uh, our next segment, because we do want to get to that next segment, our Theopolitico segment. Where we'll delve into the theology and politics uh, that this show brings to our mind. But first, let us do geek out a little bit, and for the uninitiated, Lower Decks is, well, it's a it's an animated workplace sitcom set in the universe of Star Trek. And it's, it's humor and fast pacing and relatable characters and the constant, as Caleb's already pointed out, Easter egg kind of frenzy with references to other titles in the franchise have made it a Trekkie's favorite kind of show. And in season four, We get to see our beloved group of ensigns mature into higher decks of the USS Cerritos, 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 all of a sudden I can't say the name of the ship, Uh, but rest assured, even though they're getting promoted, that their over-the-top hijinks continue to rule the day. So Caleb, and I want to talk specifically about that sort of theme that we see at the very first episode of them getting, at the end of that episode, they get promotions What are your thoughts about the gang getting promoted? I mean, they're still technically, as they point out, lower decks, but it's sort of, you know, they've moved up in the lower decks. What are your thoughts about them doing that with them this season?
0: I thought it was uh, a smart move to see them struggle with that sense of identity. And they are just lieutenant junior grades. That is Uh, the second lowest rank of any commissioned officer. They use, of course, the U.S. Navy system. So, I mean, they're still very low ranking officers, but uh, but uh, but are taking on some leadership responsibilities. I thought it was a smart way to move. Uh, the plot forward a little bit while keeping them still uh, uh, in in the lower decks. And they tried a number of new strategies this season. I think this Mm. was one Mm -hmm. of them was, uh, you know, the the advancement in rank. I think we also saw some thematic things carry over throughout the season, which is something we haven't really seen before. Mm -hmm. So they've tried a number of new strategies, but I thought it worked pretty well. What did you think? What was your impression of it? I wasn't sure at first, because uh, yeah. I think part of why the show
1: works is that while we all want to be Picards, we all yeah. know that we're mostly Boimlers and Mariners, and mm-hmm. that's sort so they're very relatable, and yeah. so I was, I guess I, at first, I was a little bit worried that we might start losing some of the relate, relatability of the characters, I am concerned if they keep promoting them, which it feels like they're kind of being set up to be continually promoted, possibly, that we'll get to a point where, I mean, we we end the season, I love, I, one of my favorite moments of the season, where we see Boimler sitting in the captain's chair, which is sort of beautiful, mm-hmm. but it also set off the, oh gosh, I don't ever want to really see that. Right, um, yep. But I will say, as the season went on, one of the things I realized this allowed to happen, they, you know, they do have, they do have a little more power, mm-hmm. and because they have a little more power... They have the power to mess things up even more than they could just as ensigns so i do kind of like the way that that played out allowing them to to have that extra power so that the mess-ups can sometimes be a little more a little larger and more consequential in terms of the outcomes of this I, i i was i was game with it but i also i'm with you i like the fact that we had an arching kind of theme throughout the season that pays off at the end but that each episode still could stand completely on its own. I, I like mm-hmm. that that choice. I, I like that kind of storytelling. It was really nice. One of the other things that we got at the beginning of the season was uh, kind of the addition, not completely. We we knew a little bit about about this of of a Vulcan to their group. Mm-hmm. Um, what did what did you think about the choice to do that, and what did
0: you think about how she impacts the group? Yeah, so at first, that's where I wasn't sure. I'm like, well, do we really want to be adding new characters in? This is often kind of the kiss of death for shows when they start trying to add in new characters and Mm -hmm. uh, try to change the dynamics. But I didn't feel like she unbalanced things, actually, ultimately, that she actually added kind of a helpful dynamic, that she kind of um, stood as a straight man. Uh, for for some of the jokes very um and so very i much. In, in some ways i i thought it helped the jokes land uh yeah. pretty strongly and so I actually felt like she was a strong addition uh even though yeah. at first I wasn't sure that's the way that was gonna play out did did you like her what do you think
1: yeah yeah i really i really do like her kind of the same thing I, I like that that she kind of plays the this the straight character to all of their jokes As a matter of fact there's some great shots of just her facially right? not responding, but almost responding yeah. to some of their r- ridiculous mm-hmm. uh, jokes and annex and all of that kind of, I really like that. Also like, you know, they had, the reason she's there is because yeah. the ship that she, the, the Vulcan ship that she was on uh, didn't think that she could contain her emotions enough, right. and weren't going to allow her there. And what it's, I, I love that they turned that into a positive because she seems to be a place where the other characters are, um, Monitoring or filtering or expressing their own feelings and getting some feedback from her. I mm-hmm. like that dynamic and how that's playing out. So, uh, yeah, I, I really, I, I, I'm glad they added. I'm glad they added uh, uh, Tealyn and or yeah, and and I, I like what she brings to the to the game. So, but just overall, what yep. did you think of Lower Deck season four? How how'd you feel about it? Compare it to other seasons. Uh, just curious of, of your your general sense of this season, because season yeah, four in so, a lot of shows is where they lose track.
0: It happens with I, lots of shows. Yeah, and this was and they did change some strategies here mm-hmm, uh, for mm-hmm. for this that were pretty noticeable. I mean, starting with the promotions uh, that 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 starts the whole season, but then mm-hmm. the the thematic piece I think especially with. um With what we find out is Locarno later on, you know, uh, attacking people throughout. This is something we see little pieces of throughout, so you can kind of uh, track that. We see Mariner dealing with, like, some PTSD stuff, and we see her gradually getting more out of control. And so that is a change from the way that the first three seasons of Lower Decks were structured. And it was a noticeable change. I think it did change kind of the tone of the series but mm-hmm. i don't think it was a bad change um i, I think the show still held together well but I, I, I think it's gonna depend on what they decide to do next season on right. on whether it makes it past season uh season five or not because yeah. uh, i i i i think it's clear that they they are changing strategies a little bit and the the strategies that they were using were strategies that worked really well. So I, I'm not sure. I, I I feel kind of maybe a little ambivalent about it, like a kind of a wait and see kind of thing. How about you? How did you feel about it? Because it was uh, different.
1: Yeah, it was different. I, I, I liked it. I, it. It was a good season. I, was it the best season? I'm not sure that it was the very best one. But like I mentioned earlier, season four in a lot of shows, particularly comedies, mm-hmm. tend to be the season that, they either make it or break it. Like,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and, and I think that the show writer who does, uh, and director uh, knows that and knew that something needed, they needed to shake something up. And so, I, like we said, I like the addition of the new character. It gives you a little more uh, dynamic to the crew. Um, I love having the extra overarching theme for the season that kind of ties everything together and also allowed for some really great Classic tricky callbacks, even a a guest appearance from the voice from Will Wheaton. Uh, I Mm -hmm. loved getting to hear him and know that he was there, a part of it. So yeah, I I thought it was a good season. I didn't think it was uh, the best season, but it holds its own really well, and I enjoyed it thoroughly. I I don't Mm -hmm. even think there was a episode that just I was like, well, oh well, they can't get it right all the time. (laughs) It felt like they were really consistent. Yeah. All right. So you mentioned Mariner and, and I do want to talk a little bit about that mm-hmm. character because for the first three seasons, Mariner was, you know, all about sticking it to the powerful. Right. And now that she's, you know, got her first promotion up of that hierarchy uh, instead of sticking it to the powerful, we see a season of her basically sticking it to herself. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think about that change in the character's focus and did it, that ultimately work for you? Because it
0: was a dra- drastic change from the first three seasons. I actually really liked it because we got to delve into her character. I felt like her character was developed uh, uh, so much over the course of the season because it was always a, kind of uh, a wonderment I had. Like, why is she so anti-establishment? Yeah. What is she doing to... Um, to, to get herself devoted. Why is that? I mean, there's the obvious that yep. her mom is the captain of the Cerritos and that she doesn't maybe want to follow in her mom's steps or all of those things. Right. But this season, we found out more about why that was about her mm. friend who, you know, who had gone to the Enterprise and had died because she was ambitious and stuff and and that she had not dealt with that grief yep. that she had not processed that and that that was uh, allowing her or informing her decisions and causing self-destructive behavior. And Mm -hmm. I thought that actually added a lot of depth to the character. I felt like I liked Mariner a lot more this season from learning that about her. So I thought that was a really good choice, actually. What did you think? Yeah, I I completely agree.
1: Um, It was a bit of a shock. It felt weird, but I think that that was intentional. They wanted us to go, what in the world is going on with Mariner? Why? all of a sudden Mariner is like not even yeah. worrying about the higher ups, just trying to sabotage yeah. herself over and over again. Yeah. And I love yeah. the, the explanation, that particular episode where she is in the, there's so much caves that are important in this season, but when she's <laughs> in the cave yeah. and, and is working yeah. through and processing and talking about it is you felt like, boy, this character has just bloomed for me. Like, yeah, I understand Mariner mm-hmm. so much better now, even because it was that, but it was also not wanting to be in a position of power where she ends up being uh, responsible for the death of someone who is close yeah, to her yeah. or anything like that. It was mm-hmm. just beautiful. I, I really loved the way that they they uh, worked for that. Matter of fact, I would say that before this season, Boimler was my favorite character, easily. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, easily. After this season, I think Mariner is actually my favorite character now. Uh, it's such a more complex and interesting character, mm-hmm. uh, and I, I I love her sensibility of, 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 of working outside of the structure and always questioning the structure and never doing something just because. Yeah, it's it's what we are supposed to be doing. Uh, I've I've found her growth to be incredible, and I really really enjoy it. Yeah, there's yeah. one. Yeah, there's one last thing I want us to talk about because it's one of my favorite parts. When uh, when I graduated, boy, well, this was going to age me. When I graduated from high school, um, Haley's Comet was coming back around. My high school was the Blue Comets. Okay. Mark Twain was born the year of the of Haley's Comet and died the mm-hmm. next year of Haley's Comet. So at our uh, yearbook presentation, the theme of it was Mark Twain. And I did Uh the voice of Mark Twain for the Oh I love this. (laughs) This is great. And so so when they broke out the Twaining, the Mark Twaining, Uh, they go to the (laughs) holodeck and they dress Uh up like Mark Twain and they put on the Southern, Uh deep Southern accents, and they have a a, an intellectual discussion of the problem at hand. I just thought it was the Uh, best thing in the world. Tell me why I'm right that Mark Twaining is the best thing in the world.
0: Well, Mark, it's because it's hard (laughs) to be mad at someone if you're talking like Mark Twain. (laughs) Uh, You know, I, 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 you know, I, I'm from Missouri and so is Mark Twain. Oh, and yeah. uh, you know, I, I love the callback too, in Twaining uh, to uh, to that next generation episode where we randomly yes. get Mark Twain in yes. uh, San Francisco. And uh, yeah, I think I think that was one of the best parts. And uh, it's. I think I think one of the reasons that's fun is because uh it, it's just such a ridiculous scenario right <laughs> really? but it, I think it kind of reminds us that sometimes like we get too into whatever yeah. we're talking about sometimes it it helps to yeah. but, like take ourselves out of that painting yeah. is the best we should try that <laughs> next time in church we get next a little time on...
1: <laughs> in the middle <laughs> of on the a meeting at, jesus show in the middle of a meeting at church the next time someone starts getting text <laughs> Well, let me just tell you here. All y'all do is think a little more about how we're treating each other because I don't know. The, I, I
0: think people yeah, would just stare at, yeah. you, would stare at you like, what the hell is going on? Get, to, get some pipes, Mark, and a, a white linen suit and uh, you can just put that on and help people realize how ridiculous they're being. I do love it. And, it's, and I do love that it calmed everybody down. Like
1: it brought you mm-hmm. into this willingness to let some of the emotional parts of whatever was going on go and actually have a real discussion it was just brilliant i loved everything about it it connected to me and my history so much i there was no way we were getting out of this segment without talking about it but speaking There's no of way i love of, it yeah no, of course not but speaking of getting out of this segment we do need to because it's time to move on to our theopolitical uh segment where we can talk a little bit more about the serious parts of what this show is actually trying to talk about so We'll be right back after this brief break.
0: Welcome back to the Moonshine <laughs> Jesus Show, where we are twaining our way through Star Trek Lower Decks, and we are moving Love into Love the Theopolitico segment, and for a show that is pretty lighthearted and pokes yeah. a lot of fun at the Star Trek universe, also deals with quite a lot of things Mm -hmm. here. And so I think I'll start maybe broader and work my way narrower for this segment. And so one of my favorite callbacks was Locarno. And uh, the fact that Locarno and Tom Paris from Voyager were you know, played by the same, ca- the same actor. And, and that was <laughs> and they, that was kind of fun. And they kept but going, don't we, you think he looks like, no. No, no, no <laughs> he doesn't look anything like uh, like Tom sure. Paris. Yeah, I thought that was fun. And I thought the, the Locarno character in general was very interesting. And so mm. there is kind of a climactic scene at the end of the last episode where Locarno and Mariner have a bit of an exchange. And Locarno says, it sounds like, to Mariner, you're just another apologist for a broken system. And Mariner replies, Starfleet's not perfect. They mess up all the time, but in the end, they're trying to do what's right. And so, Mark, that Mm. made me think about Christianity. You know, Christianity is a broken system. I hope I'm not shattering your world with this. I know, I know my entire career. now. Thanks. <laughs> right. So Christianity is <laughs> a broken system, but at its yeah. best, which sometimes happens and a lot of times doesn't, but at its best, it's trying to do what's right. I want to know Mariner decides that Starfleet is worth fighting for over the course of the season. Is Christianity worth fighting for? What do you Absolutely. Ask? Absolutely. I mean, What what Christianity what all
1: good religion tries to do is teach us how to make the world better through loving others, maybe particularly others that we don't identify with. Um, We get it wrong a lot, because there is something powerful in understanding that there's something powerful in engaging in the world that way and folks who are looking for power see that religion is capable. Of influencing folks because of how powerful it can be, and they then change it and try to manipulate it. And I don't in- only think that uh, it's worth it; I think it's, it's it's what we're called to do. Like if we mm-hmm. actually do love other people and we really do care about them, allowing anyone to take Christianity and use it as a weapon, as a tool, as a way of manipulating other folks, uh, we have. I think immediately our response has to be. To figure out how to uh, point to the faults in in approaching religion that way, and to then uh, kind of take back what Christianity is and help folks understand the real core meaning of Christianity, particularly the teachings and life of Jesus and how that should impact our lives. Uh, you set me up for a mini sermon. I apologize for that.
0: <laughs> that's good. You you are a preacher after all, and that's good. <laughs> it turns out. It turns out. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's interesting, right? Because I get a lot of folks tell me, and I'm sure you do too, Mark, that like just give up on Christianity. Like no, why yeah. even, like it's so broken, why even try to fix it? And no. I I think you're right because the the teachings of Jesus are so compelling that mm-hmm. they are worth fighting for. And the church has really messed that up in a lot of ways by manipulating the teachings of Jesus into something that he never, ever said, and following a Jesus who never, ever existed, you know, a a, a Jesus who the church worships as God, as divine, when, you know, the, the real person who lived, breathed, and walked on this earth taught us about how we're supposed to fight for, uh, through nonviolent revolution of the heart, supposed to uh, mm-hmm. fight for, create a world in which there is justice for all people. And so I think yeah. that that kind of a world is worth pursuing. The reign of Absolutely. God, the Bethlehem of God is worth pursuing. And so yeah. I, I agree with you. I think that it's it's worth fighting for. even though the system is so broken. And uh, I I think that's one thing as progressive Christians we try to do. So one of the other pieces of this scene, Mark, that I want to ask you about is um, that Locarno has gotten to this place by appealing to the lower decks and people who feel like they don't have any power. And so he wants to establish a new coalition, this Nova Squadron. And it is supposed to be a coalition of equals <laughs> Right. that falls apart then when Locarno takes charge and starts giving orders. Yeah, so yeah. I want to ask you this question in a specific way. There <laughs> is a rich history of Christian anarchy. And so I'm curious, Mark can a coalition of equals really exist or does someone ultimately have to take charge?
1: What a great question. (laughs) Um, A question that's been debated for ages uh, and we know that there is no correct answer. Here is my answer though. Um, A well-structured organization of folks who are seen as equals but play to the strengths of each individual has a great chance of surviving and living into who we claim to be in terms of folks who promote the equality of all people. Um, it takes a lot of structuring, a lot of defining of how do we relate to each, o- each other? How do we operate? When an issue comes up, who do we go to? Who specializes in this? Who's not that they make the choice but that they get primary voice in this particular area this particular space so that we are more informed and make better decisions so yes i think it can exist but it is a it's 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 tempting for a lot of folks to think that that kind of almost anarchy system uh is just you just let it happen and everybody just and you just Mm-hmm. you just love everybody and you treat each other as equals and that will not happen. There will be power structures there, as we see in the show. Uh, but if it's well-defined and you, and if it's structured from a place of love and recognizing the value of each person, I think it's very doable. Um, I, a matter of fact, I think that's how churches should be structured.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think, I think that a lot of times ultimately we have to have somebody in charge. And I think especially if we're talking systemically that there has mm-hmm. to be some kind of a system. But I think where we fall short a lot of times is exactly what you're talking about is that there are such unequal ba- uh, balances of power, that there's such uneven power structures that uh, that ultimately it becomes uh, kind of an unjust kind of system. And so I think that, I, I'm not sure that like Christian anarchy and i'm talking like outside of a church kind of space but like like in a in a society i'm not sure that 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 really works i think ultimately people grab power and and you're better off to um to set up a system but i i think that the way the system works is whenever people are actually able to be held accountable whenever people are actually able to have uh consequences yeah
1: in, in a lot of ways, I think we're saying the same thing, because I'm saying even within yep. the system that I'm arguing for, that there will be yep. people who are um, highly skilled at administration and set down. Mm-hmm. Here's how we mm-hmm. operate. And yeah. uh, th- your job will be to call people out when they're not operating within the system that we've created. Mm-hmm. And, and so mm-hmm. I think, you know, depending on what you're saying in charge of, there yep. would be folks who are in charge to help, help make sure that, that everyone is recognizing the system and appreciating it and acting appropriately within it. Which is the kind of leadership that has to happen, or people who want power will grab at it and create an unhealthy system.
0: No. It's weird,
1: weird, right? Never.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So so let's stay on this theme of these the lower decks, the empowerment of the lower decks. So Is there something then that 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 is saying about our society um, about uh, people who are disenfranchised and uh, and uh, a struggle for power? Does that relate in any way to anything that we see in our society today? Well, I mean,
1: folks who we would say, at least on the social economics striatus, would be in the more lower quadrants. I, I I think we lose out when we don't provide space for them to have emphasis in the, the things that they are most skilled at. But I also think right now we've got a real problem because the system is structured so that they work so hard at surviving that they're not able to um, gain places where they can have enough power that they can use their gifts and skills for the betterment of the community um so i I, yeah i I see some parallels but i think one of the things that doesn't happen in lower decks is that the system is stacked against them so much that all they're trying to do is survive and they can't reach and strive for finding more ways to express their skill sets but in our
0: world that's certainly what happens
1: in my opinion
0: i think yeah Yeah, absolutely. That's what happens in our world. You know, we make it impossible for people to be able to escape uh, from, you know, disadvantaged positions in society, marginalized positions in society. And yes, we absolutely stack things against folks. So um, I want to switch gears a little bit. And. Talk about Mariner, because she is such a, an important part of this, and her journey is an important part of this season. And mm-hmm. so um, her anger is a, a part of all of this as well. So, uh, Mark, I'm, I'm curious. So we find out that Mariner's self-destructive behavior is a lot about uh, her trauma that she has experienced. And so I'm, I'm curious, what impact does unresolved trauma have on us and the way we interact with the world yeah well i
1: mean unprocessed trauma is actually probably one of the most hurtful things for individuals and unfortunately we're in a society that's structured so that we almost shame people who are trying to process their trauma um it it causes us to lash out it causes us to have uh difficulty in certain relationships uh in terms of being able to trust anyone or to believe that there is going to be a possibility of healthy relationships um and it will just about destroy your life because you look for it because mm-hmm. we we are so bad in in the united states in particular with our system of health care for mental health and so bad in terms of the way that society allows a person to process or not process that out loud I actually almost shames them you you end up in a space where you're you're stuck with what uh has happened to you and not any way to work yourself through it in a healthy space Uh, and so it you cannibalize yourself and you end up having to do like kind of your own self-medicating which ends up with people who are uh, addicted to alcohol? People addicted to drugs? People who uh, are are so beyond feeling like there's anything that can help them that that, that seems like the best way out is to in life itself. Uh, we we have a really messed up system in terms of our inability to help people process trauma, um, and and we really have to step up the game and get a lot better at it.
0: Yeah, i I think you're hundred percent right uh, we we do make people feel ashamed um, and mm-hmm. like their life experiences are not significant enough to really justify the trauma that people feel uh like yeah. oh well you haven't been to war or or something like that but no yeah. everyday life can cause trauma and allowing and the level people... of trauma is
1: different for everybody like something Absolutely. that's simple for Absolutely. me might Destroy another person, and the and vice versa right. as well. And we don't. That's right. We don't allow people to talk enough about that.
0: And it's compassion, right? It's it's being yeah. compassionate towards the other person and recognizing that we don't all experience the world mm. in the same way, and that we ought to be trying to help people. Um, and so, in Mariner's case, you know, it manifests to anger, and we see that throughout yeah. the throughout the season that that like that the unprocessed trauma leads to mm. anger and bitterness and resentment all the things that we as jesus well, followers are trying to you know yeah. to dispel yeah. in the world. and let's let's not forget
1: that the very first episode we were introduced to mariner as she was yeah. getting as drunk as she could figure out how to get and maybe mm-hmm. that was a little mm-hmm. character development that they were just trying to give us a little hint that she's dealing with some stuff
0: and yeah. trying to figure out how to sort it yeah man there is a lot of stuff lot. here in a funny animated star trek show and i want to talk about a lot more but if Mm. we do we won't get to our last segment which is the make me look stupid segment yeah Yeah. we can't we've got to get to that (laughs) so why don't we take a break have another drink come back and try to make each other look stupid
1: Welcome back to the Moonshine Jesus Show. As Caleb has just pointed out, we are now entering into our Make Me Look Stupid segment. And sometimes we do try to make our co-hosts look stupid. Other times we have large points of curiosity. Um, and that's what I have for you today, Caleb. I have this very large piece of curiosity. You and I know that we, we're both Star Trek, Star Wars fan. I mm-hmm. probably know a little bit more about Star Wars than you do you probably know a little bit more about Star Trek than I do. So I, I'm going to my my biggest Trekkie friend and asking a very simple question. What are your hopes for season five? We know we're getting a season five. What are you hoping you see in season five? Like in storyline or all that kind of thing?
0: Yeah, so I think... Um, I, One thing that was kind of fun this season that we didn't really get to talk about was the relationship with technology. And we saw kind of benevolent technology. We had at least two shows where it
1: was the theme of the show. Yeah,
0: The theme of the show. I I think that's going to be a theme that we're going to see more of. And I think this is interesting because since I'm putting on my ultimate Trek fan hat here, Mm Star Trek has traditionally had a very optimistic view about both humanity and technology and the way we relate to each other. And we saw something different here. We saw uh, malevolent technology and the way that we deal with technology that is not uh, behaving as it should. And I think that deals with some of the fear that we're experiencing as a society. I'd like to see that explored a little bit more because I think that's Mm -hmm. something unique uh, that Star Trek hasn't explored a lot and is very relevant to the AI conversations that we're having as a society right now. And I would, I would like to see them, uh, I think, uh, deal with some, uh, uh, promotion demotion kind of stuff i i mm. think it would be fun to see people get demoted and how that yeah. impacts them if one of them gets left behind uh i i think that's kind of fun yeah. to, to yeah. see so uh, i and i i do think i'd like to see some more character development of some other characters i think it's yeah. going to be interesting to see tendy as she goes mm-hmm. back to the orion homeworld and what that's going to mean how she's going to come back um, cause I think, uh, obviously eventually she'll come back to Starfleet, I think. Uh, oh, yeah. and so it'll be interesting to see what that character arc looks like. That's what I expect and hope to see over yep. the next season. How about you, Mark? What do you want to say?
1: Uh, well, it's interesting you brought up Tindi because we didn't really talk about Tindi any in, in this yep. episode. And I think she's quickly becoming one of the more interesting characters when, mm-hmm. as we've learned about her family background and who they are and how she relates to them and how she's choosing Starfleet over them. Um, I really hope that we don't get a one episode resolution to Tendi coming back. As a matter right. of fact, I hope we get multiple episodes of Tendi coming back um, and we get a little more experience of Orion and what's going on there and what those particular types of pirates look like and what they do. Uh, I would even love it if Tendi becomes sort of a, a secret agent, almost learning more about what they're doing and reporting back to some higher government there or back to starfleet but here's what i really want to happen i Mm -hmm. want that i want several episodes of that then i want for the first time in five seasons to see an extended episode more than like an hour to Mm -hmm. an hour and a half and i want it to be a reverse strange new worlds crossover Ah where I they want come to, to the animated back as animated characters and help resolve the issue with getting Tendi back to uh to the ship and to her crew. I would love that. It's probably not gonna happen, but in my head it, it, it seems like too
0: good not to do. Probably won't happen. <laughs> I really like that because we did get a flavor of them in animated form right. at the end of this crossover. Touch. It episode. felt like yeah, a tease
1: so- to me. It felt like, all right, one day you're going to get
0: this. I don't know. Yeah, I, know. We'll I would like we'll to see, see that. I would like to see that as well. I think that's fun. Okay, so Mark, um, let's see. I've been thinking about what i've got several questions i want to ask you but i think i'm just going to ask you a a fun question that i'm just curious what your answer is so we do get a lot of star trek easter eggs a lot of callbacks to star trek episodes so and we've mentioned a couple of them so which of the ones we haven't talked about yet is Mm. your favorite star trek easter egg over the course of the season tough
1: one that is a really tough one um you stumped me, man. you made me look stupid. Uh, I don't know. Um, my my head's it's, just it's hard. All over the place. I'm, I'm having a hard time centering in on any of them. I mean, they're also so amazingly good. Um,
0: do you have one? Maybe it'll set something off in my head. I, I have a favorite. <laughs> so yeah. my favorite, I think it was- a I might steal episode. it. I might say, yeah, that one's mine too. <laughs> It was in the second episode <laughs> where Sh- where Shaxx and um, oh and the the commander um, uh, help me with his name uh, oh Ransom uh, Shaxx and no. Ransom. We're we're Jack in those Richard. leotards and we're doing this stretching like Beverly Crusher and Deanna uh, Troy yeah. in that old uh, Star Trek Next Generation episode. <laughs> just the most—I mean, because it was the most ridiculous thing, right, for them to be stre- just stretching back and forth and talking. And it was so hilarious to see Shacks and Ransom <laughs> uh, uh, just dressed like that and doing that. That was my—that was one of my favorite uh, moments of the whole a whole season i just like i gotta admit that is
1: so good i i i I can't come up with another one right now anyway i wouldn't even want to try to because you're right i remember just (laughs) bursting out laughing when that happened it's just so you knew exactly what they were doing like what they were working. and it was those two guys doing it which made it (laughs) absolutely hysterical absolutely
0: hysterical so so yeah, next he's... time, Mark, I think we should do this. Episode. We should come in those leotards. We'll just come in the leotards. We'll just come through, and do the stretches. Trenches. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure that people no. want to see that, but okay. Okay. Well, yeah. It's it's digital, Mark. <laughs> A lot's left of the imagination. Yeah. Uh, okay. If you oh, say yeah. so. <laughs>
1: so anyway. Uh, we need to do a little bit of housekeeping here. Talk about uh, the next couple of weeks, uh, what we're going to be doing. So I am going to be uh, on a tr- trip this coming weekend. I won't be coming back in time for us to do the Moonshine Jesus show uh, next week. So we're going to take a week off there. But we will be back on November 20th. And Caleb, I know exactly the sh- the, what we need to review. Because okay. It will a lot of times we give people a notice and they only have a few days yeah. to catch it right b- before yeah. this will give everybody two weeks that's all it's time. one of the one of the biggest releases this year as far as i'm concerned mm. i haven't been yeah this excited about a marvel release in a while and it's called yeah. the marvels the marvels we yeah sh- we should come back and talk about the marvels um I'm almost tempted to say since we take the week off before, we should do a double episode. I don't think people would stay around <laughs> and listen to us jabber that long. But I think this is going to be a show that is packed full of things to talk about. And, you know, when's the last time that we've seen a superhero movie that has three female leads? I, I cannot think of a so time. so excited. It's amazing. I, I, I think uh-huh. it's going to be incredible. I, I think... It's a part of me that can't help but feel like it might somewhat reinvent the superhero movie, having three female leads in a really, really good way.
0: I I hope so. Uh, You know, I would love to see a really good superhero movie. I'm Mm -hmm. ready for one of those. It's been a little while since I've seen one. So I would like that. But, you know, Mark, you know, I think the cool thing about a double show would be Think of like, after all the alcohol we've consumed, you know, oh, no. think of how fun we would be by the end of that double show. Yes. We I'm not know. sure. What are we even talking about, Mark? Who we, knows? We'd be talking about stuff
1: that only the two of us care about. I think we would know exactly what we're talking about, but everybody else is like, why are they, why why, are they so what? fixated what? on that? Why are they so like, all right, y'all really are geeks because now you're just really letting it all show but yeah. we are. <laughs> we, are. I don't mind. Here we are. We are. Yeah,
0: it's true.
1: All right. True. Sure. So that's the plan. So we're going to take a okay. week off. We'll come the back. Marvels. We'll do the marbles. Uh, and, and again, I always say thank you all. Uh, thank you, particularly the folks who watch live and stick with us through the entire show. Cannot tell you how much we appreciate you. But just as much, we really appreciate all of you who sign up for the podcast and download it and keep up with the show. Caleb and I, we both talk about this all the time. This is our favorite part of our week. I Look mm-hmm. forward to coming and doing this and and having the excuse of, I'm sorry, I, I have to watch this. It's for the show. Uh, well, it's a great <laughs> excuse to have. It's a great excuse to have. Yeah. Um, yeah. But we're both lo- lucky enough to have partners that are supportive, so it wouldn't really matter anyway, but it is a good <laughs> excuse to have. <laughs> we appreciate all of you listening because that does allow us to do the show. And y'all are the best for allowing that for us. So thank you from both me and Caleb. And uh, with that said, we'll see you the next time on the Moonshine Jesus Show. Moonshine Jesus, bye.